and take a look at this screen. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you will be counted among the wise. Let not the wise boast of their wisdom, or the strong boast of their strength, or the rich boast of their riches, but let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for in these I delight, declares the Lord. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourselves to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which is given you through prophecy when the body of elders lit their hands on you. great video by Paul, Nathaniel, and who else was a part of that video? Kim? Yeah, that's right. Kim, let's give it up for Paul, Nathaniel, and Kim. Wow. Have you ever been all in on something before? Like, think back to when you're a kid, and you're like, all in on something. As the older we get, we can seem to be a little bit more hesitant on things. Uh, and so I, I have a lot of memories, I think, as a kid when I was sold out, all in on something. And one of the things that I can think of pretty fresh in my memory is the first time I jumped off of a bridge into a body of water. Loved that moment in my life. I love that moment where, like, your gut just kind of goes up a little bit. Anybody else like that moment? Yeah? Who here loves that moment? Hand up. Okay, great. Who here hates that moment? Okay, so we're about 50-50, actually. Who here doesn't care? Because it seemed like there were still people who didn't put their hand up. All in. I remember that moment. I was with my brothers, 
we were hanging out with my dad in the summer. We were somewhere in Alberta. So uh, there was this like river, it wasn't super fast, super slow. And I remember climbing over the, uh, the pole, the ledge, and just like this. And you know, you try to get like as low as you can, so it's like less of a drop, but it makes no difference in the height from where your feet are, right? You know what I'm talking about? So that's what I did. You try to get as low as you possibly can. And then it's just like a, a let go and fall, because if you jump, that's a little bit too high, right? I remember that first jump. And I loved it. I loved it. I remember as a teenager, uh, when I would go to Vernon, and I would go cliff jumping in Vernon. Anybody ever been to Vernon and got cliff jumping there? Right on. Awesome. And I loved that moment of just like off the edge, all in. It was great. Um, ever watch a movie and you're like so like trapped into the storyline, like you were sucked all in to that movie. Ever had a movie experience like that? Oh, not many apparently. Oh my goodness. You're missing out because what a feeling that is. Holy cow. Okay. Just so you know, I like a little response back when I, when I ask a question, you shout it out. Yeah, that's me. You, you get hyped if you like something. Okay. We started strong with that one hundo P, but it is like died out this year. So we got to bring it back for one more night at least. Okay. So, um, yeah, A plus, that's right. A movie that I watched recently was uh, Blade Runner 2049, right? Is that it? Yeah. I was sucked so far into that movie. Seriously, I have not experienced a movie like that in a while. Where, like, I'm not even an apocalyptic style, like, fan of movies. But this is that style. And I was, like, right into that storyline that I didn't care about anything else that was going on around. Rebecca and I, we would converse, try to figure out the storyline. Who has seen it? Blade Runner 2049. If you have not seen it, you should watch it. It is so good. Um, I'm not going to ruin any of it for you because I really want you to go and watch it. Uh, but the, there's this guy, and there's this concept about trying to find this child. And when he comes to this realization, I had the same emotions he had in the movie, in that moment. I'm like, I get you. I get you. And here's the thing. The author did such a good job at, like, you know, bringing you along on the storyline that I was totally okay with it. Like I was totally okay with it being totally sucked in and not trying to figure everything out before it happened. I was just going along for the ride and I loved it. Something else that I did this last summer about being all in is I went bungee jumping this last summer. Yeah. Yeah. Went bungee jumping. Talking about jumping off high places. I love that feeling. So good. And so my goal, I I have yet to be skydiving. I'll get there at some point. But here's the thing. I wanted to jump off of a ledge where like that your gut goes up, where you're in the air long enough that you get used to that feeling of your gut going up. Like that's what I wanted. So I went bungee jumping. Uh, And the reason I went bungee jumping is first uh, Alf and his family went to Whistler and so they gave us the opportunity. So anyways, you can click through the next slide there. This is me getting ready to jump. Yeah, yeah, that's me. Wait, 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 go back, go back, go back. That's a good burn right there. That's a good burn. Kim just got me. She's like, is that you trying to get lower? <laughs> that was good. So this is me. I was like so eager and so ready to go that they were counting me down. But I was like ready to go before they even counted me down that they're like, hold on a second. And I'm like, whoa, okay. And they said, we got to get the timing of the photos so you can get your pictures and whatnot. So that's why I had to slow down. So next photo. I was bald eagle flying through the air. Just loved it. Just loved it. 
<laughs> and I wanted the ground to come right at my face. I just wanted, like, full experience. Next slide. Going down. It was awesome. Just loved it. So, like I said, I went with Alf. So Alf also jumped. Alf's ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> is, he, is he here or no? Where? Okay. He knows that I'm doing this, though. Uh, classic Alf pose, eh? Like, so cool. So cool. So he jumped backwards, and this is his. <laughs> he told me I'm not allowed to say in the microphone what he said while he was falling. That's it. <laughs> Next one of Alf there. So he's down. Huge jump. Awesome. There was another gentleman that joined us. Papa Mark. Hey. <laughs> Mark, unfortunately, is also not here tonight. He's preaching at a youth group tonight. Huh? How awesome is that? I love that. So go to the next slide. This is Mark. <laughs> okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Don't go, don't go forward yet. <laughs> Look at his face. Like he is stone cold praising Jesus falling backwards. <laughs> oh, okay. Watch this. Watch this. Next slide. He's got the same face. <laughs> Are you ready? One more. He's still got the same face. <laughs> okay, so Kim, go back and go forward on these. And look at his face. It's the exact same every single picture. <laughs> okay, okay, you can go to the next one. This one is awesome of him. <laughs> I wish we could zoom in. We can't, but I wish we could. This is all, I don't even remember what he said, but every time I look at this photo, all I think is him going, ah, in that moment. But my all-time favorite out of all of these photos is this next one. Okay, so here's the reason why. I just think of that stone-cold face at the beginning, and to me, he looks like he's a penguin trying to fly through the air. So I got a picture of a penguin. He looks just like it. <laughs> okay, put them together. Put them together. Like they are identical. <laughs> I just think of Stone Cold like, Awesome. Papa Marks. Talk about all in. All in. I was really trying to think of a way I could segue from like matching our dean with a penguin to that of maturity, but there ain't no way that I can do it. So we're just going to go into maturity. Talking about all in tonight is what I want to talk about. Talking about maturity and uh, as we finish off this year. 
in our Wednesday night specific chapels. We're finishing off our series on maturity tonight. We're finishing off our Wednesday night evening chapel time together. And uh, it's been a good year. It's been a really good year. Kim, thanks for those scripture verses and regarding God's faithfulness and his mercies. Awesome. And thanks to our band. Can we give it up to our worship team? Have you been all in before? Talking about movies, um, another one that I like in the concept of being all in, and this is a classic, classic um, sermon illustration movie, Lord of the Rings, right? I think every preacher at some point has or must preach using Lord of the Rings as an analogy at some point. And so what I'm thinking of, now picture this scene with me. I know I've used it once before somewhat in a chapel uh, where Aragorn is talking to the men of the West when like the orcs are coming at them at the gate and he's like on his horse and he's telling them to hold their ground. You know what scene I'm talking about? Does anybody know the, the lines that he has going forward that charge? Do you know any parts of it? I'm going to read it out. I'm going to read it out with you. And if you know any of the lines, say them out with me, okay? So imagine Aragorn here. Imagine all the men and like their armor, their helmets, their spears and everything, their swords. And he says, hold your ground. Sons of Gondor, of Rohan, my brothers. I see in your eyes the same fear that would take the heart of me. A day may come when the courage of men fails. When we forsake our friends and break all bonds of fellowship. But today is not this day. An hour of wolves and shattered shields when the age of men comes crashing down. But it is not this day. This day... We fight, but all of you hold dear on this good earth. I bid you stand, men of the West. You guys know that scene? Watch it if you don't know that scene. The weight of that line, the weight of that speech The weight of that moment as the orcs are coming at them, ready to charge. Today is not the day that men fail. Today we fight. And in the weight that he says those words, as we read our scripture passage tonight, we need to take that same weight as Paul is charging Timothy when he goes to Ephesus. Let's read it together. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. So again, Paul is not... He's not sitting. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate that, buddy. Praise break right there, Peter. Yeah, 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 Peter. Yay. All right. (laughs) 
So I know Paul's not sitting on a horse. And he doesn't have this army around him to charge him. But the weight in which Aragorn said it, Paul says it even further. He says, devote yourself. Do not neglect. Be diligent. Give yourself wholly. Watch your life and your doctrine and persevere. Other translations use words just as strong. It says, give complete attention. Meditate. Immerse. Throw yourself. Give yourself entirely. Many people in Ephesus believed in spiritual things. It was a city where there was lots of gods represented there. Lots of gods worshipped. Lots of idols worshipped. So spirituality was a thing that took place there. And then as the word of the Lord came forth through missions, through Paul, and here we see Timothy being sent to Ephesus. He gives Timothy these charges and these words because there had become an, uh, an indoctrinating of false doctrine into the word of Christ, into the testimony of Jesus, and into the testimony of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is giving Timothy this charge in contrast to the false doctrines that were being displayed in the church, in the leadership of the church. There's lots of confusion. And not only was he telling Timothy to bring forth good teaching and good doctrine, but he was also telling him to focus on his lifestyle and his living, that it would be focused on serving as Christ served, and that it would be obvious to everyone around And the reason why Paul focused on these two things of doctrine and of lifestyle is so that Timothy would stand out among the rest, that he would be different, and that he would lead. And yes, it would be difficult, but if he knew the cost that it made or took to be in that place, he would be extremely effective. The way that Timothy stood out was through sound doctrine and through a life that reflected the teachings of Jesus and of the Christian faith. So in week one, we opened up about three weeks ago in our scripture a little bit earlier. And in week one, we talked about eating well, training hard, and having hope in God. And these were Paul's words specifically to Timothy in his personal development and his personal faith. And then last week, Kim continued on in our series, and she talked about, in our week two of our series, about correcting, not just going in and correcting the teaching, the false teachings that were there, but also in commanding sound doctrine and proper lifestyle, living by example, right? That that Timothy was to go in in the offense as the one with the authority, Not just because of experience, not just because of age, but he was to set the example with the authority given to him in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And into our section tonight, verses 13 to 16, Paul reiterates the same format again to Timothy. But rather than just doing more so privately, he does it publicly. He says, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and to preaching and to teaching. So the first one, I talked about eating well. And so here now, in the public side of it, our first point for week three is to feed well. 
There's the personal and the public side of ministry that Paul is teaching Timothy here. First one is to feed well. As a leader, you need to learn how to eat well and learn how to feed well. Devote yourself to this, to public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. So feeding people is by providing them truth, sound doctrine, godly principles, the gospel, but it also means teaching them on how to find it themselves. So feeding them is giving them the spiritual food, but it's also teaching them the means and how to serve themselves. So right now we are in a season of our lives, Rebecca and I, where we have that practical opportunity with our kids in teaching them how to feed themselves. Seth is turning five in a couple of months. Simeon is two. And we are in the perfect stage of transitioning from us feeding them into them feeding themselves. Now, Seth has been putting food in his mouth himself for probably a good three years now. He did it when he was one, one and a bit. Simeon's been doing it for the last over a year. So they've been putting food in their own mouth. So we taught them that, but we still prepare their food for them, right? Seth just recently learned how to open the fridge. It's both awesome and not at the same time. (laughs) So he just learned how to do this. So he's starting to figure out actually how to grab food and get it himself rather than just being magically appeared in a bowl or a plate in front of him. We still cut the food up, we still prepare it, we still get it ready, and we give it to him. Simeon right now, it's so awesome, he's helping me pour the jug of milk into his cereal bowl. He does nothing, he just puts his hand on it like this, and he's like, helping, helping, and I love it. And so I let him help every single time. He's now feeding himself cereal and gets milk absolutely everywhere, and I, I hate it and love it at the same time. I'm the type of guy that I don't like anything on my fingers as I eat, like that sticky feeling. Uh-uh, not me. I'm the guy that, it's, it's probably not good, but I probably take two or three napkins every meal because one just is never enough for me, right? Preach, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm teaching them how to prepare food. Uh, If you've been to my house, and those who have, you've seen a little stool that's by our island. And that stool I made for them so they could stand on it and help Rebecca bake and cook. They help Rebecca bake um, bread every Monday. So they're in there. They got aprons that they got from Nana for Christmas, right? They're, They're mixing things up. Rebecca lets them use the little measuring spoons. She scoops it. She puts it in. Mornings with oatmeal, like they put their brown sugar in. They put their raisins in. Like they do all this. We're teaching them how to do it. Now, spiritually speaking, we are to do the same. We are to feed people whether you're going to vocational ministry or not, we're all called to preach the gospel. We're all called to speak the gospel, to speak truth. And I encourage everyone to read scripture regularly, to speak it out loud regularly in your day-to-day living. And in doing so, we're also teaching people how to read scripture, how to spiritually feed themselves in the process. Now, it may be messy, Like, it's a mess on our table after every meal. It would be way easier and way cleaner if we just kept feeding them ourselves. 
But that's not what we want. We want them to become self-sufficient in their eating habits. And the same thing is we want people in our church to become self-sufficient in their spiritual eating habits. I could get real preachy. And I could get into the topic of conversation of like going to church and, and you know, do I go to this church because this church feeds me or I'm not going to go to this church anymore because I'm not being fed very well, so I'm going to go over to this church instead. And then we hear this, well, you know, you should be spiritually mature to feed yourself. You don't need the Sunday sermon. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. My concern is this. I don't even like taking a side on it, but my concern is this. Whether you're being fed or you're not being fed, I agree that we all have to take the ownership in feeding ourselves. One meal a week is not going to be sufficient for health and nutrition in our lives physically, so why would it be spiritually, okay? Now, if you aren't being fed in your church, I also think we have come to a place, and pastors are at fault for this too, like we're all at fault for this too, where like we have elevated the meal on Sunday morning to be more important than our personal meals that we feed ourselves. Like we've also taught our churches to think that way, right? That they have to come to church and be fed well. Like we want them to be fed well, but we've also elevated the sermon above scripture at times, and that scares me. So that's why I don't really like to get on a camp on either side of that discussion, but I want to charge you to eat well and to feed well. Teach people how, how to dive into this book, how to read it. Share your testimony, share your experience, share what God's doing in your life, in your day-to-day. That's a great way how to inspire somebody in reading scripture, is to talk about what God's revealing to you in your day-to-day. Speak scripture publicly, regularly. Preach it and teach it. Little youth pastor advice for you. Youth pastors in the room. Next-gen pastors, kids pastors, let me tell you this. Read scripture to your youth regularly. Like every single time you get together, read scripture. Do not, please do not get caught up into the idea that if you need to attract teenagers to your group. You're just going to play more games and hope to bring them. And then while they're here, we're going to convince them that it's not actually about the games, but it's about scripture. And then we're going to slide it in there a little bit somehow. And then not even realize that we're putting scripture into them because their focus is the games the whole time. Don't do that. Stop doing that. If you are, please going forward, don't do it. Read scripture to them. Every single time you meet, read scripture to them. Because here's the thing. Sometimes we get embarrassed as Christians, and we think that people don't actually want this. We think that, right? We've thought that. I've thought that. They're going to be bored by this. They don't actually want this. The reality is, is that they're lost, and they don't know they need this. So you need to show them that they actually need this. They don't know any better. They don't know any different. And so teach them, show them, preach to them, read it to them. I also think for music, I'm just going to throw this in there, play music that focuses on God. Like I'm okay with a couple other things too, but make your main source music that focuses on God. There's lots of hype music that does as well. Because here's the thing, if they don't get it there, They're not going to get it anywhere. You got an hour and a half to two hours a week with them. 
Like, that's it. Use it wisely, okay? And it's better to have a core group of tight Jesus followers than a community group of fans of your own, okay? I will say it again. Come on, it's better to have a core group of Jesus followers than a community group of your own fans. Thanks for that. I understand that fear can creep in, though. I've had that same fear myself at times. We're afraid that we're going to lose people. We're afraid that the health of our group is going to decline because the size of our group is declining, and we equate size and health as the exact same thing. But it's a terrible measurement of health in your group because there's healthy small groups, and there's healthy large groups, and there's also healthy or unhealthy small groups and unhealthy large groups. Signs of health are the things that Paul had previously just told Timothy. Character, life, love, faith, purity, and growth. Growth is to be a factor of health in your group. And we'll talk a little bit more about it if there isn't growth taking place in your life or ministry. But we get so caught up on these fears that we can lose focus. We can lose focus of our purpose. We can lose focus of our identity. We can lose focus of our plan. We can lose focus on the things that God has gifted us in as well. And that's the second point that Paul has made. He says, do not neglect the gift that God has given you. So often we focus so much on what other people are doing in ministry and we compare, right? We compare. Oh, man, we compare in everything in life. And if they're getting that result, then I need to do that so I can get that same result. And that's not always the case. It's not. We get so stuck into comparing that we actually start to try to act like this other person and to do what they do. And what happens in moments like that, if you're a golfer, a term that's used is you're out of your swing. You've lost your swing. Like your personal swing. If you're comparing yourself to others and trying to do exactly what they do, you can be inspired by others, but you got to make it your swing. And when you're not operating in your swing, you're not operating in what you're good at, and you're not operating in what God has gifted you in. Paul is essentially admonishing Timothy to not neglect who God created you to be, who the people prophesied over you laid their hands on you, and proclaimed over you who you are. Do not neglect who you are. Stop comparing yourself to others. Stop watching what God gave others and start working on what God gave you. And if it means you got to get rid of Instagram, get rid of it. Like, just trash it. It takes three seconds to hold that thing down, wait till the X comes up and it's squiggling around, hit that X, and then you're good, okay? Like, that will help if you are struggling with comparison. Do not neglect your gift. And here the word gift is in, in, <clears throat> in my studies, it's referring to the same list in which that Paul refers to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 12. And here's the thing that I've learned about our gift. 
and if you're a super hyper Christian, maybe you got more than one, okay? You can put gifts plural on that. It's your decision, one or two or three or however many you have. <laughs> you know those people that are just good at everything? I got a beef with them. Okay. <laughs> Here's the thing about your gift. Your gift is to you, but it's for everyone else. Like your gift and you operating in it, if you neglect it, you're actually not just hurting yourself, but you're hurting everyone else around you. It's to you, but it's for everyone else. Thumbs, they're great, right? But it's not just to make the thumb look good. It's for the operation of the other fingers to pick things up and say, hey, look at this, right? Teeth, teeth are not just for teeth. They're actually for the interior of your body. Could you imagine if we didn't have any teeth or like any saliva and we're trying to choke down nan bread on dinner? Do you know how sore that would be as that goes down, right? Like that would hurt. (laughs) Maybe it's to you, but it's for everyone else. See, I get the teeth thing. I have soft teeth. Like I've always had soft teeth. And uh, I've like at Nanus Bay camp, Nanus Bay camp, canteen at night, I hate it because I have chipped a tooth on an onion ring at Nanus Bay camp. My teeth are soft, okay? Don't be a soft tooth Christian, okay? (laughs) Don't neglect your gifts, okay? (laughs) I preached. (laughs) Neglect essentially means to be careless with. Okay? Neglect essentially means to be careless with. Don't be careless. Don't be careless with the person God has made you to be and the gifts that he has provided you to operate in. Don't be careless. A spiritually mature disciple will eat well, will feed well, will train hard and not neglect what gift God has given them. So you see what Paul has done here in the personal and the public? He says, eat well. Right? Immerse yourself in the good teachings. Train hard. Practice over and over. Then he says, read scripture publicly. Feed people. Eat well. Feed them well. Do not neglect. Continue to practice over and over and over. Private, public, personal, public. Do you get what he's doing here? Great. He continues in the same manner. So this is what Kim talked about last week. But example, so he starts in verse 15, and he says, be diligent. So you can go to the next point there. Be diligent and to give yourself wholly to. All of it. Give it. Kim talked last week about speech and life and love and faith and impurity by setting the example. And Paul talks in regards to being diligent and giving your life wholly over so that others may see your progress. So that others may see your example of what you're doing. And as leaders, what we are is what we're going to get. What we are is what we're going to produce, we're going to get in our followers. The things like, like our values, our priorities, the, our, our character, empathy, love, those things are not taught. 
They're caught by your example, by your day-to-day grind, your day-to-day living of being diligent, of committing everything to when you're tired, when you're hungry, when you're happy, when things are going well, and when you're not, you're committed, you're diligent, you're giving your whole being and whole life to. You're being that example. People are far more watching what we do than hearing what we say. Far more watching how you live, what we do, than they are hearing what we say. So if you are not, if you are not satisfied with the spiritual maturity of your community, of your church, of your friends group, of your family, if you're not satisfied with the level of maturity, then you be diligent and give your life holy to set the example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity so that others may see your progress. Commit to it. I used the words all in at the beginning of this sermon. And that to me... is the simplest, clearest definition of a disciple. is a person who is all in, sold out, completely holding nothing back. It's like a committed no matter what type of mentality. And, and Jace and team, Omega, Omega, you guys rocked it on Monday with Omega Chapel. Seriously, let's give it up to our Omega team. Great job. Last couple of years, uh, each year has done a wonderful job in presenting the uh, environment, the culture, the situation, the locations of where you're going. I mentioned this to Jason on Monday. And it's always done a great job. But this year specifically, they took on this entire product of what Omega Discipleship is starting in September of being a part of this school and running through a corn maze to find your interns and your intern assistants. What it means to have mentoring with Jace and Vicky on a regular basis. Team meetings and ministry. What it means to get up. Where's Trina at? Is she here? Get up at 8 o'clock in the morning to pick up bottles and to cash those bottles in those cans. Because here's the thing. She nailed it. Why do we have to do this? It would be so much easier, literally. It would probably be so much easier if you just gave 25 bucks a semester, right? It would be. But a disciple is committed no matter what it is. And if you won't do it in the little, come on, if you won't do it in the little, you won't do it in the big. And so I love that picture that you guys gave. Why do we do this? It's because you're all in. You're all in at eight in the morning, filing through sticky pot cans and pot bottles. And does every cent matter? Yes. And it's in those moments that you learn that every cent does matter because every kid matters. And if that one cent makes that one kid go, it's all worth it, right? 
That was my favorite part of the morning. Maybe except Danae, because she was fire up here. <laughs> Seriously. She's, she's going to preach next year for sure. Make sure you come back. I want you to preach. And I, I just love Monica and her motorbike, so that was awesome too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A disciple is committed no matter what. And they will follow everything their leader tells them to. Because they love their leader. Not just what they say, but by how they live. And see, the gospel for us never costed us anything. But it does demand us everything. It demands everything from us. See, the good shepherd, he laid down his life. And the difference between a good shepherd and a bad shepherd. A bad shepherd says, what's in it for me? But a good shepherd says, what's in it for my people? What's in it for my sheep? And what's in it for my flock? And that's what he did. That's our example. Because he gave that 100% to us. Now he demands that same 100% back to him. That we would look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of others. So are you really all in? Are you all in? Because he didn't count the cost just to make us content. Now, I understand that my line breaks down a little bit because there is some cost to it. Scripture even says it. And in Luke chapter 9, it talks about the cost of following Jesus. In verse 57, it says, As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you. He's speaking to Jesus here. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Do you know what that means? It means that he cannot provide you or promise you a roof over your head. That he won't provide a place for your head to be laid down because he himself never had it. And so the call, the cost of following that call may mean something that's a little bit uncomfortable, probably a lot of it. And are you willing to take the step, even though you know for sure it's going to be uncomfortable, that you won't just be content, that you'll have to sacrifice, that you'll have to suffer, that you'll have to be diligent, that you'll have to count the cost and give yourself wholly to it, no matter what. In North America at times, unfortunately, I think in our church, we invite Jesus to follow us. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be savior of my life, to free me of my sin, to help me with my day-to-day when he's not given up his life just so that he would follow us but so that we would follow him see in the, in the calling of his disciples Luke says this best I love the way that Luke writes it 
In Luke chapter 5, specifically in the calling of Levi, verse 27, says, After this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And we focus so much on those words, follow me, and he followed him. And we miss two very, very important words. That he left everything followed him everything his life his business his finances his future he left it all he left everything there in that moment he got up he left it all and he followed him skip to the first part of the same chapter calling the first disciples The boys had a terrible night of fishing on the lake. Didn't catch anything. They come in. Jesus says, go back out and cast your nets on the other side. So they go back out, begrudgingly cast their nets on the other side. And woof, all this fish. Calls their buddies over, gets all the fish, brings it in. And Peter comes to him. And he falls at the feet of Jesus to his knees. And he says, go away from me, Lord. I am sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee's, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. Other gospels say fishers of men. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Are you all in to give yourself holy to the call that God has placed on your life to leave everything and follow him. And then Paul in the last scripture of our section here in 1 Timothy 4, he says, watch your life and your doctrine and to persevere to persevere so that you will save yourself and your hearers. And here the word save does not mean salvation. You're not going to save yourself. You're not going to bring salvation into your own life. That's not what Paul is writing here. He's saying that if you persevere, if you watch your life and you watch your doctrine, that you're saving yourself from the power of sin that could take over your life that you will save yourself from the shipwreck. You will save yourself from falling in to fleshly carnal nature. That you will save yourself from making mistakes. Because we've seen too often and too many leaders make a mistake and fall into it. And it hurts them and all those around them. And so he's saying, watch your life and watch your doctrine and persevere for the long run. Because you will save yourself and all your followers, all your hearers around you. He doesn't want Timothy to become another casualty. And I don't want any of you to become one either. And Paul specifically and intentionally keeps doctrine and life together because they should never be separated. How you live your life is by the truth that you study. 
what you study, what you read, what you believe, what you feed yourself should match how you live your life. They're not to be separated. They're to be practiced together. Persevere. Persevere for the long run. If you've been into my office, you'd see hanging up on the wall, I have this funny little t-shirt with my last name on it and a symbol of uh, First Ave, the church that I was able to pastor at for 10 years, 2006 to 2016. And I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I think it's a little extra (laughs) in some way because it's like a cheap, cheap dollar store t-shirt <laughs> with my name on the back, which I don't really care, and a, a symbol of our church that, great, it's a symbol, a logo. And I think it's a bit extra for this huge case for like a $4 shirt. But here's the thing. All of this, yeah, it's cool, but it's actually this right here that I love the most. They gave me a scripture verse that they said represented my ministry while I was there. And I'm not here to boast of myself, but I sure am going to boast about the work that Jesus has done in my life. And they gave me 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. And it says, We loved you so much. Excuse me. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only the good news, but also your own life. The good news and also your own life. Doctrine and life together to set the example that others would see your progress so that they would follow suit in what you're doing. Make your actions and your words identical. And when they're not, confess and repent and go to Jesus. He will bring healing into your life and affirm in you the call that he has placed in you. I'm also really satisfied with God's faithfulness in that and continues still to be sustainable in ministry for the long term, over the long haul. Because sustainable leadership, sustainable ministry, who you are as a person comes way more into effect than what you teach. Long run, it's about your character, not just about your sermons, not just about your talks. And who you are reveals more about your leadership than what you say. So I want to finish this series and I want to finish these Wednesday night chapels in our year with a question similar to what Kim did last week. She asked you, what's your because? What's your because? What's your fear? What's holding you back? And in the same token, what have you yet to drop? What are you still holding on to? What have you yet to leave so that you can get up and follow all 
in on his call in your life. At the beginning of the year, we started with a scripture verse. Can you put up the scripture verse from Luke 4? And we put this scripture verse that we, Kim and I, have been praying over, we did over the summer and throughout this year, that this would resonate in your hearts for the call that God has placed in your life. And the amount of conversations I've had about future and ministry and where to go and what to do or this place or that place or this position and that position, one of my biggest things that I keep sharing is that you shouldn't worry so much about places and positions, but about the people that God has called you to. Because every line in here has nothing to do about places, but has everything to do about people. And so I'd like you to stand with me. And in the same weight as Paul charged Timothy, I'd love to charge you tonight. With our scripture from tonight and this from the beginning of the year. Eat well and feed well. For the spirit of the Lord is on you. Train hard in godliness because he has anointed you. Hold your hope in God to proclaim good news to the poor. Set the example of character in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. Devote yourself. Do not neglect to proclaim freedom for all prisoners. Be diligent in recovering the sight for the blind. Give yourself wholly to set the oppressed free. Watch your life and your doctrine and persevere in proclaiming the year of the Lord's favor. Never stop seizing to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Never stop proclaiming the hope that you have in Jesus. Be diligent. Give your whole life to. Do not neglect who you are. Persevere. Eat well. Feed well. And I love the passage where he says the the elders laid their hands on you and spoke prophetically over you. So this is what I'm going to ask tonight to finish off our our Wednesday night specific chapels. For those who are staff in here, I would love to use your help. And then I'm actually going to charge every senior in here. You're going to play the part of an elder tonight, okay? You're going to play the part of an elder tonight. And I'd like you to pass on this torch and charge as Paul charged Timothy to our undergrad students here. And to pray over them and to place your hands on them and to speak prophetically over them. And if you're visiting here tonight, God bless you. Please pray as well. But I understand that our grads class is less than the rest of the student body. And so uh, undergrads clump together with some friends, okay? Move around to this room uh, and then allow uh, seniors to be leaders and find you and they will pray over you. And then in a bit, we're going to celebrate together because God is good. And we're going to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor by singing and dancing. So don't forget who you are. 
Don't forget whose you are. And don't forget who you're for, okay? Let me pray, and then I'll charge you to spread around in your clusters. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your faithfulness that we've talked about as we started this evening, proclaiming of your faithfulness. And we want to continue to proclaim how good and how faithful you are, God. Thank you that your mercies are fresh and new every day. Thank you for endless opportunities of grace that you've given us, that you've given me, that you give every single person here. Lord, we repent of the times that we try to work our way to receive that grace. Would you reveal yourself again to us tonight that we would actually respond because of your grace? by giving our all to you, by giving it all to you, counting the cost, knowing that you want all of it. And so, Lord, we again in this moment, we leave it all for you, for your way, for your will, for your glory, for your goodness. And Spirit, as you go before us, would you continually remind us, affirm in us the call that you've placed on our lives? Because sometimes we forget it. Sometimes we miss it. Sometimes we get tired or we get distracted or we compare ourselves to other people and we just miss it. So would you affirm again in this moment? And if there are people in here right now in this room, Holy Spirit, who are tired and who are questioning and who are uncertain, I pray for a fresh revelation. I pray for a refreshing and a filling into their mind and into their spirit and into their heart that you would affirm in them again the call that you've placed. And it may be in this moment right now that it could be a first for someone. Spirit speaks so loud that they would hear. I pray their hearts and their spirit would be sensitive to you in this moment. To not run, to not fear, to not worry, but to trust in you and in your working in them in this moment. We thank you for the elders in our lives that have prayed over us, that have spoken life into our beings, that have encouraged us, that have built us up and edified us. Lord, we want to be just like them so that we can influence and care and serve and bless others as well. In your name. So let's separate into this room. Let's move around. I'm going to get grads. You guys can stay put for this moment. Let's seem to get out of the way so they can get out of the aisle. But let's move around, cluster up in groups of three and four, and then leaders, seniors, let's go around. Let's place hands on them, and let's pray for them.